Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'm Mary. Long time no talk. Oh my goodness. Last time I made a podcast episode, I think I was like five or six weeks pregnant. And um, I was not really planning on getting pregnant when I did. So that was a fun little surprise. And I got really, really sick this go around. My pregnancies are like never easy. I'm like always like high risk and whatever. doesn't matter. But it it became very apparent very quickly that uh the the podcast hobby was gonna was gonna was had to be the first to go priorities wise um as I like tried to survive with my three kids and uh puking all the time and whatnot and so forth so anyway I stopped for a while I've been trying to kind of keep things alive on Instagram but also not really because another priority that was cut was, you know, trying to build an online presence. So long story short, I'm here to say I missed you. It's been a long time. And I'm not even actually like officially back. The baby will come in January. He's going to come a little bit early. It's a boy. I'll be induced early. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. But he'll come in January. Then maybe after that, I'll kind of get back into the swing of things. But I'm here today to talk about one Taylor Allison Swift and her new album, Midnights, because the album is two weeks old now, and I've spent the last two weeks consuming all the content I can, you know, like every podcast episode, every blog, whatever, and I've found myself getting more and more and more annoyed um, at people talking about Taylor Swift that just, like, don't know what they're talking about, especially, like, men, which... Maybe that sounds rude of me to say, but I found so many podcasts, especially that one by like the Ringer Network, which like I normally love all those podcasts, but I can't stand that one. And yeah, I listen every time. The one where it's like every album Taylor Swift. And it's just like this man who's like, I'm an industry guy and I'm going to tell you what every single Taylor Swift song is about. And they're always wrong or they read the context wrong or whatever. So like there's that side of things. And then there's also like deranged easter egg tiktok reddit side of things which like is fun and like talking about easter eggs and easter egg hunting and stuff is fun but it's not always like accurate and one of my only talents and skills in this life is to tell people my knowledge about taylor swift history i would truly say i'm a taylor swift historian i've been around since teardrops on my guitar in the trenches on myspace I've watched her every move. I couldn't tell you how to do like basic math, but I could tell you every single one of her romantic entanglements and what every single song is about. If we have context and actual information for what each song is about, then I could tell you the meaning, the history, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been finding myself getting really frustrated these last couple of weeks listening to people say stupid things about Taylor Swift and this album and saying that like different songs are about different things. And then I reminded myself, hey, Mary, you know what? You do have a platform that you're not really using right now. And that's fine. But you do have a platform to go be the change that you want to be in the world. So that's what I'm going to do. That's what we're going to do today. So today I thought we could just make kind of a fun companion piece to the Midnight's album. And I would 
go song by song and kind of divvy out some context for songs. This is her concept album, and she says that every song is like based on like a sleepless night from her life. Is that true, necessarily? Mm. Mm. She she often likes to do this where she's like, this is a concept album or this is like an album of short stories, but then you can find like personal context in in those songs and and everything. So I think it's like it's a good general vibe. But as we go along with these songs, we're going to put them kind of into like different categories where it's like straight up autobiographical. Here's what she's singing about. This is why we know this is what she's singing about, so on and so forth. And then the other category will be like general vibe and just kind of like overarching theme. Um, Like this is just kind of like a miscellaneous song that kind of fits a cool vibe, like snow on the beach or whatever. So I'll explain as we go on. But there will be songs that are very autobiographical and then other songs that are just, you know, open to whatever personal interpretation you want to put on it, but not really like based fully in reality that we know of. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. I don't think I explained that the right way, but I'll explain more as we go on. So we'll be fine. Anyway, without any further ado, we're going to go over every song on the Midnight's album. Hope you enjoy. And one more quick PSA before we begin. Um, It's going to sound like I'm out of breath a lot because I am. And um, it's going to sound like I'm taking a lot of breaks because I have to. Um, I like, we're going to see how long I can go without taking a break. But first of all, let's get into Lavender Haze. It's an album opener. It's a song that's grown on me. Let me just say, first off, Midnight's I don't think is going to end up being my favorite album. Like, by any means. I do like it. And I've found more meaning in it the more I've listened to it, which always happens to me with Taylor albums. Like, I'll think that I don't like them. And then the more I listen to it, then they grow on me, whatever. Um, I think that this album is a mix, at least like sonically for me, between Reputation and Lover. Um, And even like lyrically too. Maybe not so much Lover, but like I don't necessarily always love like her songs that are big introspections of like her reflecting on what it's like to be famous whatever I like a couple of those here and there but a lot of them I just kind of like write off and I'm like oh that's like never going to be my favorite song which is totally fine I'm sure there's people that love this but that's kind of where I'm at with the Midnight's album as a whole I like it I like the um 3am tracks a lot more but also Let me just say, I'm not a Jack Antonoff girly. I really hope that this is the last time that they work together. I hope that this is like their grand finale together. They did the entire album together, except for all the 3 a.m. tracks. And I'm hoping that this is just the end. Because I, and it's weird, I love what Jack Antonoff does with other people. Melodrama, one of my favorite albums ever. Um, Norman Rockwell, one of my favorite albums. But I just, I never really love, love, love his Taylor stuff, except for his work on folklore and whatnot. So anyway, that's where I am with all this. But let's get into Lavender Haze, which is the first track on Midnight's. It's a song that grew on me. If we're just talking about who do we think the song is about, it's probably, this is one 
like most of them, that we get this kind of put in the Joe Alwyn category. We were kind of promised a introspection. That's not a real word, and I think I've used it twice now. A reflection on her life and Midnight's throughout her life or whatever. And going through all these songs, I'm finding most are just Jack, or not Jack, Antonoff, Joe Alwyn related. Most are just kind of like, this happened to me and then I found love. This happened while this was simultaneously happening. My life was crazy, but also I found love. So basically like summer of 2016 when all the Kanye stuff happened, like 2016, we went from Calvin Harris to Tom Hiddleston. The Kanye stuff happened. Our breakup with Tom Hiddleston. Kanye stuff happened. Joe Alwyn comes in. And it all happens like very, very quickly. And if we're piecing together the timeline of this album, that short period of time in her life gave us a lot of this content, which also does make sense because remember, we never really got that content from her. If you subscribe to the karma theory, which I do, not like the metaphysical actual karma idea, but the um, the like the album that she was probably preparing to release before the Kanye album or the Kanye call happened because um, she was releasing an album every two years. She was due for another album. It was like clockwork. Aesthetically, she was kind of changing up her look. There's a belief out there that we have an entire album of Calvin Harris breakup songs and the Tom Hiddleston and everything there's a belief out there that we're missing that album. And if it's been recorded, Big Machine does own it. So that could be like a surprise that we get some at some point in our life. And it's called Karma just because there's been like a couple Easter eggs here and there. That point to something being named Karma. Anyway, let's talk about Lavender Haze. Lavender Haze, I'm just going to put in the big Joe Alwyn category. Um, it talks about the pressures from society about you know, being a wife and people will only view girls as like a hookup or a wife or whatever. And kind of talking about like the scrutiny from the media, whatever. Um, it's a pretty clear kind of Joe Alwyn-y song. But again, it's, I'm just putting it in like general vibe. We could put it in the Joe Alwyn category, but like she told us, not that I'm disappointed in what we got, but like she told us, this is going to be an album about like 13 Midnights for My Life. This is just one of those examples where like we're not going to be able to pinpoint anything. And like we can maybe say like, all right, this is probably like when she was dating Joe Alwyn, maybe in the beginning or maybe kind of how she feels right now. They're still not married that we know of. Um, So like we're... We're not really sure. So anyway, we could put it in the Joel Alwyn co uh, category or column or whatever, but it doesn't really mean anything. Like I, it, and like the the text isn't that rich. If you want to clown, though, we're gonna do this for a couple songs. If you want to clown and look for Easter eggs and be like, oh, like what could this reference? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Everyone that knows me knows that I um have paid more attention to the Taylor Swift, Alexander Skarsgård, quick fling, not even real relationship that inspired wildest dreams. Um, Alexander Skarsgård, right after they did The Giver together, Alexander Skarsgård was in a movie called Melancholia. 
Um, and she says the words, my melancholia. So if you want a clown and maybe kind of go down a weird road, you can kind of go down that road, but really there's no need. This is a vague concept that's kind of about Joe Alwyn set to a funky, funky beat. So anyway, that's Lavender Haze. And next song we're going to go to is Maroon. Maroon is a song that a lot of people want to put in the Harry Styles or maybe even Jake Gyllenhaal column. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that this one's also about Joe Alwyn. And if we want to go like line by line, first of all, just the concept of Maroon. She had a song called Red. Red was track two on the Red album. This is track two on the Midnight's album. Maroon is a deeper color of red. It's pretty easy to infer that red as a concept was loving him was red. This is how it felt. This is how it looked in my mind. These are my emotions into words, whatever. Um, And maroon just kind of being like a, this is my, the course, I choose you, the one I'm dancing with. Um, And just kind of talking about how it's, the lips I used to call home so scarlet, it was maroon. So just kind of like a deeper love. I feel like the lines I just chose to read right there weren't really displaying what I mean to say. But to me, it's just kind of saying, I found this deeper love now. It's not red anymore. It's this new deep love I have is maroon. Um, people want to clown around and say that it's about Harry Styles. The only line that reads Harry Styles to me here is the carnations you had thought were roses. That's us. Um, I could. Harry Styles, as handsome as he is, I mean, he just canceled my concert that I was supposed to go to when I saw him. Like I was supposed to see him a week ago. Then he canceled three hours before because he was sick, but whatever. But he does strike me as a no thoughts, head empty type of man who's just really handsome and hot and talented. But um, that line maybe kind of fits, but... I mean, if we want to go line by line here, um, she's talking about his roommate. Out of all of her string of boyfriends, who who's had any roommates? Probably Joe Alwyn. Um, it all just kind of fits that. And I got to say, I am not somebody who drinks. I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I, at one point in my life, did like when I was in middle school. So like my, my alcohol experience is limited. That's just what I'm trying to say here. It's all like just limited to like high school Mary drinking, you know, what was that one that was like juice? Mike's hard lemonade that as like a high school freshman. Um, so I don't really know drinking culture like that, but there's just so many songs here about, just spilling your wine all over people. And it, it keeps happening pretty frequently in her music where it's like, oh, you, you splashed your wine on me or spilt the drink or the drink that you spilt and blah, blah, blah. And I'm really just wondering, are people doing that that often? Alcohol seems cost, costly. And I know obviously people get inebriated when drinking, but it wasteful maybe it just it seems like such a common thread in her music lately where it's like oh he splashed his wine on me and the stain and blah 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 it's like what's going on but but again maybe this is just one of those moments where I just don't know that much 
about how alcohol works and alcohol culture. Funny, like, quick little side story to this. You know that, like, TikTok sound that's been trending from the girls from uh, House of the Dragon? Now I remember. House of the Dragon. Um, where it's like, what's your drink of choice? And then she goes, a Negroni, Spagliato, with Prosecco in it. Again, I'm not a, a drinker. And so I was just kind of like, I've been putting together context clues as to what I thought that drink was. And then I just learned on TikTok what it actually is. And I was so, I was so far off because what I was thinking was, she said, a Negroni. And for some reason in my mind, I thought that was a beer. Like I was like, okay, Negroni. I've heard of that before. That's a type of beer, a Negroni. A Negroni, Spagliato. So then I thought, I'm probably saying this wrong. Spagliato. Okay, that's probably the brand of Negroni. So now I'm thinking she's drinking a beer and she likes it made from this brewery or whatever. Like Negroni is like, like I've heard of like IPAs and stuff before. So I'm like, okay, probably something like that. Spagliato. All right, that's the brand. And then I was thinking, what, what did she say? Um, with Prosecco in it. I thought Prosecco was like sparkling water. So what I'm picturing in my mind is people just taking their beers and pouring. And remember, my my concept of beer is like lukewarm Bud Lights that my friends would steal from their parents and we would drink as 14-year-olds. So people taking beer, mixing it with sparkling water, and yet us Mormons or people from Utah are the weirdos for putting half and half cream in our Diet Cokes. So I've been thinking very rudely for this last little while, what the heck? That sounds nasty, but who am I to judge, you know? And then I, then I found out that it was something completely different. But anyway, that was a weird side note and I took too long to explain that. But I'm just saying maybe I'm out on alcohol culture, but gee, Taylor Swift is spilling a lot of wine and spilling a lot of drinks in her songs lately. Um, but anyway, we're going to put Maroon in the Joe Alwyn category again. Love was burning red, and now it is Maroon. So anyway, that is Maroon. Next song we have is Antihero. That one's pretty clear, right? Antihero, it's just about herself. And it's And I mean, she's made a video explaining what it is. Um, and there's not even like that much to parse there. To be honest, Antihero is not my favorite song yet. If it was on Folklore and if it was like a little like Betty sounding song or even like a, um, I don't know, like a mirror ball or something, would love it. But it's just my like Jack Antonoff biases coming into play. I just like don't like how it sounds. And all I like, all I could think of is like, it's so weird that she's singing about like her depression and stuff, but like to this funky beat. And I'm just like picturing her, not that this will really happen, but like she's at her concert. She's holding her microphone. She's swaying back and forth, like side to side. When my depression goes graveyard shift, whatever. Um, it does, it doesn't sound like it fits to me. I did just buy the acoustic version on her website to hopefully get a ticket boost for her tour. Um, and I can't figure out how to download something from a website. So I do own the acoustic version. Maybe I'll like it more, but can I listen to it yet? No, don't know how technology works. Not me. 
Not I. I was talking to my friend over the weekend and she was asking me about the sexy baby lyric. And I feel like most people that care probably have already like parsed this out and figured it out online. Um, people are saying that it's like the reference to the 30 Rock scene. And yeah, I could like understand that. But really like the sexy baby is just all these girls are being able to pull off being sexy yet innocent. And I'm just like this big monster on the hill, whatever. And that's kind of what like the girl in 30 Rock is too. It's like Tina Fey is like, stop the whole sexy baby act. And she goes, I am a sexy baby. Um, anyway, so that's sexy baby. Sexy yet innocent, whatever these girls are able to pull it off. Why can't she pull it off? She feels different from them, whatever. Anyway, next up we got Snow on the Beach, a song that I really, really love. I'm a long time Lana Del Rey stan. She means more to me than most musical artists. I do love her. Um, and also a lot of people are hating on the fact that she didn't get that much to sing. And yeah, of course, it's a, like comical because Taylor Swift loves to have like guys featured. And then the only woman to ever get a verse on any of her songs is Phoebe Bridgers. Um, but like if you know Lana Del Rey at all, her feature was kind of perfect for her. Like Lana Del Rey, like when she's done features with like The Weeknd or ASAP Rocky or whatever, she's always has kind of like the ghosty voice in the background. So that's exactly like what I expected. Like I never expected her to like take the reins and take a verse or whatever. But anyway, we're going to put Snow on the Beach in just kind of like the vague concepts category. Again, it's not really like what was promised where it's like this is a, a midnight from her life, whatever. It's just kind of like a beautiful falling in love type moment with like a little bit of anxiety, but really just kind of like a, a magical but unnatural feeling. Snow on the beach, whatever. Um, and I mean, so we're going to put in like the vague concepts slash Joe Allman category, which a lot of these songs are going to be. So anyway, that's Snow on the Beach. Next up, we got You're On Your Own Kid. Speaking of You're On Your Own Kid, I need to take a break. All right, I'm back. Okay, so You're On Your Own Kid. I love introspective Taylor. Can you guys hear that car outside my house right now? I live in a residential area. I live in a very, like, small suburban offset of Las Vegas. And there should not be drag racers on my street. And yet, alas, here they are. Um, riding down my street at 9.51 p.m. Anyway, you're on your own, kid. I love it when Taylor Swift reflects on her past through music. Um, like on her past life. One of my favorite um, examples of this is the course of Coney Island that she does in Evermore. Um, where it's the where you're standing at your old spot uh, by the gold clock. To me, that's a Drew from Teardrops on My Guitar. Um, and then the where you're standing in the hallway with the big cake, Happy Birthday. We now know that to be Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, when I walked up to the podium, I think I forgot to say her name. That's Calvin Harris. Like, I love it when she does these callbacks, right? And You're On Your Own Kid is just like a rich text for that. And I freaking love it. This is a song that, like, I think it's definitely my most played. I can't stop listening to it. And The Bridge... The bridge has brought me to tears a few times. But anyway, she's just kind of like reflecting back on her life. Uh, the first the first verse seems very like high school Taylor to me. And then kind of she's making her way through her dreams and what she's going to do with them. 
And then the last bridge is the big part. And Taylor Swift has confirmed this on TikTok. Somebody made a video about this. Um, and then she um, basically like said in a comment that, yes, it was correct. So we're breaking down basically into eras, the from spring, from sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes. Um, that's debut. Um, and fearless, which like not that telling, but that's what the girl said in the TikTok and it worked, whatever. Um, I gave my blood, sweat and tears for this. Um, and that's kind of speak now and red era just kind of like she gave all of her emotions and all her hard work during that time. I hosted parties and starved my body, which is like just such a gut punch, right? To listen to that. Um, that's clearly very 1989, like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. Um, still kind of 1989 era. Um, the jokes weren't funny. I took the money, which is reputation era. Um, and then my friends from home don't know what to say. I don't really know that I looked around in a blood-soaked gown is calling back to but the rest of it just kind of goes like folklore evermore and then like re-recording and now she's kind of like triumphant and she's like back on top and she's like reclaiming her stuff. Um, so anyway, that was confirmed by her on TikTok. The, so basically the bridge is just kind of going over big chunks of her professional life broken into eras. Um, so anyway, I love it. I love it. And it makes me cry. It makes me cry. I'm so sensitive. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. Next up we got da, 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 Midnight Rain, which is a song that I think kind of delivers on what she promised about a song about like different midnights throughout her life or whatever, like different periods of time. This one, from all we know about her Tom Hiddleston relationship, just optics wise, he was a bit older. He was a bit more established. She was kind of running around having fun. This was post-1989 era, post-Calvin Harris, post-Bleach Cella, post-Metball. She meets Tom Hiddleston um, and the Metball, etc. Most of the things in the song you can kind of relate to Tom Hiddleston, older, established man, Taylor Swift, kind of just was doing her own thing. Her star was rising far beyond what anybody had ever anticipated for her, probably even herself. And they just kind of, they were enjoying their times, but their times, they were enjoying their time together, but they just wanted different things. So this one's a pretty clear Tom Hiddleston thing. Um, I think especially the part where it says the, it came in like a postcard, picture perfect, shiny family, holiday, peppermint candy. But for him, it was every day. She went on that vacation with his family very publicly in England and like they're walking around on the beach together, whatever. That was kind of like her, um, her relationship where she was like, paparazzi, come on, come all. That's like why a lot of people thought it was a publicity stunt, especially because he wore that I Heart TS, um, tank top. Remember on 4th of July? Like, she was kind of like, oh, the paparazzi will catch us. I don't care. And they just kind of, like, lived their life. Um, But there was, like, that vacation that they took with the family. So if we're looking at the song through the lens of he wanted to settle down. She wanted to have fun. He was sunshine. I was midnight rain. He wanted it comfortable. I wanted that pain. He wanted a bride. I was making my own name, chasing the fame. Um, He stayed the same. All me changed, like, midnight, whatever. 
Um, the clowning funny theory that I've heard about this is that it's about Taylor Lautner. Um, and I think people are just saying that just because it's funny and then because he's a werewolf at midnight and whatnot. But anyway, it's that, that one I can confidently put in the Tom Hiddleston category. So there we go. I heard on a couple of different podcasts, people want to attribute it to different people. And to that, I say, no, you idiots. No, you can't. And uh, with that, we're now going to go over to the song called Question, which is another song that people are trying to attribute to different things. And I want to tell you guys the evidence is right here. This is the one song that we have about Harry Styles. This is it. Let me tell you why. First of all, first of all, this one, the fact that there's any other theories out there when the first thing we hear from the song is a sample from Out of the Woods, the song about Harry Styles and Taylor Swift's relationship, the I remember right in the beginning of a question that's a piece from Out of the Woods. And then Taylor Swift goes on Sirius XM and says that there's even callbacks from other songs that will tell you kind of what each song is about. It, the song is about Harry Styles. It has the the piece from Out of the Woods in it. Th- that, this is it. But if we want to analyze the lyrics on top of that, um, the good girl, sad boy, big city, wrong choices, their relationship, like their real one. So they had the prior fling before Red. That's why we have I Knew You Were Trouble that was about Harry Styles. People will say, no, it's not. I'm telling you it is. They had a prior fling right before she got with Connor Kennedy, right before that. And then got with Connor Kennedy. And Taylor Swift basically says that I Knew Your Trouble was about Harry Styles when she accepted an award about that. Um, About when she accepted the award for I Knew Your Trouble at like the VMAs or like the British Music Awards or something like that. Anyway, she said it was about somebody in the audience, that person being Harry Styles. Anyway, why why did I go on that tangent? But the their real relationship, the one that 1989 is based off of, kicked off in New York. So the big city, wrong choices, Um, that kind of points to Harry Styles. And the, can I ask you a question? Did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room? And every single one of your friends was making fun of you. But 15 seconds later, they were clapping too. My One of my favorite Taylor Swift cringy videos is watching Taylor Swift grab a somewhat disinterested Harry Styles in Times Square as the ball is dropping to get their New Year's Eve kiss on in front of a big crowded arena of people. Like, maybe they thought that they were, like, kind of tucked away or whatever. Like, they weren't on stage or display or anything, but they were on the ground in Times Square. And she just kind of grabs him. He looks, like, a little disinterested. And then they just start macking. And people around them, fans and onlookers and stuff, etc., are all kind of like, what, what, what? And I remember being a young teen and seeing that and being like, what, 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 what? Um, so, anyway... That, that line kind of calls back to that, at least for me as a Taylor Swift hysterian. Um, again, everything else. If it's not 100% autobiographical, it is 
concrete-ish enough that we could just put it in the Harry Styles category between the Out of the Woods callback and the kissing thing. Um, and, of course, we have that line from Style where it's the, I heard you've been out and about with some other girls. So have I, whatever. Um, that can kind of be tied into the, uh, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Do you wish that you put up more of a fight? Um, when she said it was too much, do you, do you wish that you could still touch her? Blah, blah, blah. It's just a question. Um, and then the, and what's that that I heard that you're still with her? That's nice. I'm sure that's what's suitable and right. But tonight, blah, 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 blah. Um, anyway, we're, we're going to call that one for Harry Styles. There we go. Next up, we got vigilante shiz. I try not to curse on here, but anyway, vigilante shiz. Um, by the way, I've been listening to the clean version of this album for a multitude of reasons, but one just because I like it better. She replaces all the swear words, the swear words, um, with real words. Um, and more often than not, they're always better or like they're words that have actual real meanings instead of just like the F word or whatever. Um, the only song I think I miss it on is this song because you just kind of, you just kind of need it. But anyway, this one's clear-ish, probably about Scooter Braun and his wife, etc. Long ago, there was a Dumois tip that when Yael, I think that's how you say her name, Scooter Braun's ex-wife, when she found out about his infidelity, she found out in a long-winded way through Taylor Swift. Like, Taylor Swift, like, was, like, the one that, like, leaked the information. That was kind of always a Dumois thing everybody wrote off. I think even that podcast said that they didn't believe in that either. Like, but it was just, like, a random tip that they got. But Taylor Swift maybe kind of confirmed it in this song. I don't know. But this one's a pretty clear callback to revenge and the re-record that she's doing and stuff now and she's getting her revenge she's ending up on top whatever it's not one that you have to analyze that closely because mainly it's just it's a fun little a fun little spooky song um anyway next up we have labyrinth um this is another song that i'm going to put in the joe alwyn 2016 my life is chaos but i'm also falling in love category so everything had happened to her after the fallout with kanye and now her and Joel Alwyn are kind of like starting this relationship and the, oh, oh, I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love again. I thought the plane was going, going down. How do you turn it right around? Um, and the, it only feels this raw right now. Um, anyway, so it just, it sounds like somebody who's really going through it, found somebody is kind of clinging onto that and their life is being made better by this other person. So anyway. I'm going to put Labyrinth in uh, the vague, vague concept Joe Allman category. Next up, we have Karma. Another vague concept song. Like, these are not songs from the midnights of her life, which, again, that's fine. But it's just not. You would think, like, the way that she presented it, that we'd be able to categorically go down the line and say, this song is about this person, this song is about this person. But for the most part, you're like, okay, karma. She came out on top. She beat Kanye. She beat Scott Bruschetta. She beat Scooter Braun. So yeah, it could go over all those. I don't think it has anything to do with Kim Kardashian. People like to say that. I don't think it does. Anyway, I'm now yawning. That one's karma. 
Sweet Nothings. That's a song that her and Joe Alwyn wrote together. So we could put that one in the Joe Alwyn category. Again, not that exciting. And then Mastermind. Again, pretty plainly about Joe Alwyn. And about her relationship with him and her plotting and whatever. A lot of people say that they don't like it because they think that it negates Invisible String. I think both can exist. I think that you can carefully plan something, especially as somebody with her, like life. You can carefully plan something and you can also appreciate everything that's come before you that led you to these serendipitous moments where you've been able to make things work out. So anyway, I don't think it negates that, but Mastermind, again, pretty clearly about Joe Alwyn. So not that many huge revelations here. Um, the Great War, haven't really analyzed that closely, but we'll put it in the Joe Alwyn category. Basically, any relationship that she's kind of singing positively about has been about Joe. Which makes sense. That's her current significant other. Every other relationship didn't work out. So whatever. Um, bigger than the whole sky. I haven't been able to listen to it all. Like, I I think I know what it's about or what people can infer that it's about. Most people are inferring that it's about miscarriage or some kind of big loss. Whether she's writing autobiographically or she's writing on behalf of somebody else or whatever. It's a concept that I can't, I can't let this noggin go there right now. Not at this stage of my life. Uh-uh. No way. Sorry. Sorry, team. Um, nothing is making me scroll past a TikTok right now faster than hearing um, the the little uh, melody from that. I hear two bars from it and I go, nope, nope, nope. Goodbye. See ya. Um, not two bars, like two notes. Anyway, Paris, they concept, fun song, doesn't mean anything. Um, high Infidelity, we're putting this one strongly, strongly in the Calvin Harris, um, in the Calvin Harris category. Um, she mentions, I didn't know you were keeping count multiple times. And, and like right before they had broken up, he had given an interview saying that like he didn't really ever plan on collaborating with Taylor Swift. And she had just collaborated with him for This Is What You Came For. Um, so people kind of think that maybe that's like a, a callback to that or, um, like after they broke up, he like tweeted some like not mean things about her, but kind of like siding with Katy Perry. And he's like, you're not gonna do this to me. Like you've done to other people, blah, blah, blah. Like kind of like a weird, like, I didn't know that we were like keeping score in this way type of thing. But the telling thing is, do you really want to know where I was April, April 29th? And the only real notable thing that we could find for April 29th is back in 2016. Um, April 29th is when he did that interview with uh, Ryan Seacrest saying that he wasn't going to ever plan on collaborating with Taylor Swift, even though just days before that, on, on April 26th, um, he released uh, the song that she wrote for him. Um, and then right after April 29th, was May 2nd, which is when not only Taylor Swift met Joe Alwyn, but she also kind of got together with Tom Hiddleston. There's a lot of rumors out there saying that she met Tom Hiddleston on April 29th. There hasn't been a single concrete thing to back that up. And I've like researched and researched. There's people saying that they were at like a pre-party or something together. I'm not finding anything out like that. Um, but so 
the April 29th seems a little significant. Um, June 1st was the official day of the Calvin and Taylor breakup. Um, but it's speculated that that was when it was announced, but the breakup had happened before that. Um, anyway, and this timeline I'm looking at right now, it says June to September, Taylor briefly dates Tom Hiddleston. I think that they broke it off before September. September seems very late for me for that. Um, cause I think that her and Joe were together in August of that year. So anyway, there's, there's that high infidelity. We're putting that in the Calvin Harris column. And I hope that someday we get the, um, I'm hoping that someday we get the karma album because that's, that's what I want. And that's what I need. Um, an album about Calvin Harris hate songs. Cause I don't like that. All right. Next up is where I'm going to lose you all. I'm sorry. I know people aren't going to agree with me on this. But for our grand finale song, we're going to talk about what have, could have, should have. Am I, am I numbering these the right way? My phone just like froze up. I always get the could have, would have, should have. I know it starts with would have. Please hold. What have, could have, should have. We're going to talk about it. I know that I have inherent John Mayer biases. I like him. I believe that some of the heinous things he's done in the past, he's been able to right some wrongs. I mean, and I shouldn't even say that. A lot of things aren't my apology to accept. I'm not a person of color. He said horrible, disgusting things about black people and really just people in general and women and whatever. And he said those things in like 2012. And I'm hoping and taking him at his word that he has changed but of course if he ever like repeats that kind of behavior or if there's like a rumor of him repeating that behavior of course I'd be like all right yeah makes sense like he showed us who what he's capable of before him but anyway I believe that people are capable of change I may be a little bit too forgiving and especially when it's not always my apologies to accept but with that being said my stance on the Taylor Swift and John Mayer relationship has always been. Yes, he should have never even gotten near her. She was too young. 19 was too young. He should have never breathed her air. He should have never gotten near her. That was messed up. And I agree. I like, I agree with that. I like, in my personal opinion, I don't think that they ever. And this is like when people who are like, don't talk about her virginity. It's inappropriate or whatever. She puts it, she's, she's leading us to these assumptions, guys. Um, to me, based on like history and also like things that like John Mayer has said and like friends of his have said, have said and stuff, I don't think that he, they ever like, he ever did more than just like kiss her. Like I don't, I'm under the impression based on my John Mayer history and Taylor Swift and what we know about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal, which happened after. I've always been under the impression that whatever they had was not really a serious thing. She took it more seriously than he did. And I mean, like, and that's, that's relatable to me. I mean, I've been having this discussion a lot with my sister, Amy, because she thinks I just want to apologize for John Mayer. And that's not what I want to do, but I'm just saying... This song 
is painting the image or people are interpreting it. And they're also setting aside all the information that we just learned basically concretely about from All Too Well. They're taking this song as if like Taylor Swift and John Mayer, like, like he had sex with her and like left her in the middle of the street or something. Like he did horrible, horrible things to her. And I think he should have never ever touched her, should have never been near her. She was too young. I will give her that. And I'll give her so much credit for all these things. And I mean, at least in my life, I could recall many, many, many situationships that I've had that have left me emotionally effed up. Like there's some things where like they, he was never even like my boyfriend, but still messed me up. And, and there's so many things like that that have happened like throughout my life. So I understand that. And that's what I'm thinking that the song is more about. Just kind of more of like, why did I let, or why did not let, but why did this 32 year old involve himself with me? I was only 19 and he mentally effed me up so much with the what have, could have, should have of it all. And I think that that's as far as it went. The whole John Mayer is over party. Yes, again, he should have never gotten near her. The In the words of Stanley from The Office, that girl's a child. Like, that, that is how I feel about this. Do not get me wrong. But I don't think it's as serious as some people are inferring. Like, that stupid podcast I mentioned earlier. Although, like, they say that they're Taylor Swift historians and they did all this stuff analyzing all too well, where she says the scarf which we all took as a metaphor for her virginity. And then in September at the TIFF um, Film Festival, Taylor Swift confirms that the scarf is a metaphor for virginity. She doesn't say the word virginity, but for what everybody thinks it is. She confirms that. That happens after John Mayer. So people that are wanting John Mayer to be hung upside down and drugged through the street for ripping this girl's virginity from her and then ruining her life. It just, it doesn't seem that deep. Do I think that that means that the song shouldn't exist? Absolutely not. No. And the, the song, the song is like a gut punch. Like it's almost like hard for me to listen to because I put myself like in those shoes so many, like when I listen to it where I'm like, I have felt this way so many times. And I mean, like I got married when I was 20, so I shouldn't, my, my love life isn't that extensive, but I had very many almost flings or whatever that I invested so much of myself into and then like left me like emotionally like messed up. So I get it. But I'm just saying the public's reaction to it is very puzzling to me given what we know, know as basic fact from all too well and her mouth about Jake Hall and her relationship. So, yes, John Mayer should have never gotten near her, but the the drama that people are deriving from this song is really kind of coming out of nowhere for me. Like, if you look at, like, we can't say look at the facts because none of these are facts, you know, but, but the stuff that she's said about Jake Hall since it's come from her, I'm taking that as fact. Like the, her words at the TIFF, um, movie festival 
those I'm taking as fact, and those were recent fact. Somebody else also put, um, like, a perspective, like, maybe this could have been about her in, like, the master situation. That's kind of, like, a clowning thing for me. Like, I mean, she mentions 19, and 19 is a famously, is, like, a famous age for her because don't you think 19 was too young? Like, she mentions 19 in Dear John. And also, she's 32 years old now. He was 32 years old then. And, of course, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Demi Lovato um, like the finally 29, 17 would never cross my mind song that she released. I think these women, these talented women are growing up and now they're like using their skills and their talents and they're saying like, Hey, that was pretty messed up. Wasn't it? Anyway, that's where I'm going to leave you. Cause like dear reader glitch or whatever, Paris, these are just kind of more vague concept, funky beat songs. So anyway, that's the end of this episode. It's just a, it was just a quick little thing I wanted to put in the universe. Um, let me real quick, somebody sent in, I had like a lot of questions a week ago when I said I was going to do this episode and then I didn't ever do it because then I got busy. Um, let's see here. This is from my friend Ariel. She sent me a couple good questions on here. She said, I've seen a theory about how question is about Justin and Selena's relationship. No, it's not. Um, that sounded sassy, but don't worry about that. The fan edits are fun to watch, but it's not about that. Especially, I think this song, Question, is like one that we could like more clear than any other song that it's about Harry Styles, especially because of the I remember from Out of the Woods in the beginning. Next, it says, Dylan O'Brien becoming part of T-Swift folklore. Um, I'm obsessed playing the drums on Snow on the Beach. Um, yeah, that's a fun thing. Dylan O'Brien seems like a fun time. Um, then let me see here. Oh, there's a theory that Blake Lively and uh, Ryan Reynolds' new baby name is Daisy May because of you're on your own, kid. I'm not thinking it is. Um, I'm thinking so long Daisy May must be something else that we just don't know about. I wish I knew. Um, and also I, this might be too controversial. I, I feel like they're having a boy. I feel like after three girls, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, might might've been able to pull a boy off. My, my opinions on her are too controversial. I'll shut up. But anyway. Anyway, that's today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'll probably see you guys again in, like, January. I don't know. The baby will come kind of early, mid-January, and then I'll recover for a little bit. And then and then who knows? Who freaking knows? Anyway, thank you for listening. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at, at I Just Want to Chat podcast. You can also find us on TikTok. I have a lot of Taylor Swift videos and, like, just general pop culture-related videos on TikTok. Um, and it's I Just Want to Chat podcast on there, too. Anyway, hope you had fun listening. If you want to send me hate mail, do it at the same socials I just listed. Anyway, all right, bye.